0: Welcome to episode fifty-five of Jordan and Drew, the Sports Crew. Jordan runs back on the podcast one week only, though. I'm going to Texas next week. It's a very busy set of (sighs) vacations. My next, don't worry, my next one's not until the middle of May when we go to Florida. So other than that, we'll we'll be good to go.
1: I thought I thought it was just March. You got another
0: one? (laughs) Maybe I have another one coming up in the middle of May. Better be. Did I say April?
1: Yeah, I I don't know. Okay, well it's in the
0: it's in the middle of May. Oh, wow. Well, I'm sorry, but it's a very busy time here for the Lorenz family, and we're just having the time (laughs) of our life as we are on the podcast. Episode 55 is here. Drew Skyberg along with me, Zach. Thank you for holding down the fort last week. I enjoyed that episode. I enjoyed the trivia that came up at the end. And overall, how'd everything go? You proud of it?
1: Yeah, I'm happy with how it went. It was funny. I'm I'm trying to get immersed back into basketball. It, It is talk about tough. I mean, this is as tough as it gets. Uh, we we talked football. I mean, that that was the only thing that Zach was like, oh, I know what that is.
0: Yes. and so, He knew some Badgers, college basketball.
1: Yeah, he impressed me a little bit, right? I mean, there's there some things that I was like, he knew that, but he didn't know that. But yeah, thanks, Zach, for coming on. Uh, you can hear him also Fridays, of course, with Journey to a Million. But yeah, we held down the fort for Jordan. And I guess you better be doing a Florida Panthers game if you're going May, or Florida. is that going to be over then?
0: Yeah, that'll be over. We're just going to Disney. We're having the time of our lives. No sports on that vacation. We could go to the worldwide of sports. We did that one time, but it was it was pretty nice, actually. Nice big facility overall, though. Next week, Drew will have on another special guest. We'll be previewing, or they'll be previewing the world of major league baseball as we get into the season. Opening day, just days away at this point in time. We're talking some spring training here in this one. So let's get right to it. Don't forget all of our social media platforms, YouTube. We did it. 50 subscribers. So now we're going to see how long we can keep it at 50 because sometimes we like to lose one or two from time to time. So let's get another one, you know, let's pad the stats a little bit. Let's get over 50. And that way if we lose one or two down the road. We're still at that 50. Thank you all guys so much for getting us to that big number on YouTube. And our next goal is hundred obviously, but that'll, it'll take a while before we get there. Instagram, join your underscore sports crew. We're spicing things up on there, doing some new things from time to time. Facebook, Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, were are on there as well. Our likes and follows continue to grow. Whatever those two mean, the difference, we still have no idea. And then JD Sports Pod on the Twitter, and that'll cover everything. Our shout-out this week goes to the St. Peter's Peacocks, as it should, rightfully so. Full disclosure, the time we're recording, Sunday morning. It's 9 a.m., so the games have not yet happened. We know two of, the t- two of the four teams in the Final Four, but we do not know if we will be seeing Kansas, if we will be seeing St. Peter's in there, maybe we'll be seeing Kansas and North Carolina. Either way, I think Kansas is a lot to advance to the final four. And then St. Peter's and North Carolina is a toss-up. We'll talk all about it coming up. And, Drew, do you have any comments on St. Peter's? Of course they were going to win on National Peacock Day, though. That was no surprise.
1: Yeah, wow. Uh, Matt Painter's squad seemed shocked by the Peacocks. I mean, they had that game, it felt. Uh, you would 7-4 Zach Eady, and, you know, um, there's questions about how the St. Peter's team would defend a guy like that. And, you know, there's some plays where he, he had his way, but I mean, they, they held him in check. Uh, they held, you know, Jay Nivey had had some still played, you know, had those plays and he'll be, you know, top five pick in the draft, but wow. I mean, that, that was an impressive showing by the peacocks and let's see if they can make it to the final four. Uh, I hope I mean it's gonna be a tough tough task but
0: it's gonna be listen. impossible you know why because it's rigged to have a Duke and North Carolina final four and then it's rigged to have Coach K win it all in his last year that's what I think
1: well I hope Coach K wins it all so you know I, I at, would, I at would this argue point that.
0: yes at this point yes I wanted Texas Tech to win because that would have helped own my brackets but now that he's made it this far it's like why not a nice storybook fairy tale ending so we'll have to see only time will tell April 4th is the national championship game and We'll be doing a March Madness recap episode where we talk about our bracket, Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. And we actually did better, Drew, on our bracket than we did last year. I can confirm that right now. And we'll talk about the bracket pool where if we have a Kansas win yesterday and they're in the final four, I have three of the four final four teams correct. And my bracket is looking beautiful. But other than that, let's move on the stats of the week. All March Madness related for this and on this day, as you would expect. First stat the sum of the remaining seeds in the tournament, this is coming into the Elite Eight, is 47, and that was seven higher since when seeding began back in 1979. So, do you have any idea what they did before it was seeding? Did they just kind of throw teams up there against each other based on like record or what? I'm
1: not sure. I I think it might have been a simple, you know, it might have been something record related. I know. I, we I you know, know the tournament's expanded over the years right now Big with time. you know 68 teams with the first 4 and it's just overall you know grown so maybe there's some part with that but not sure
0: I don't know I found that to be very intriguing St. Peters we just talked to them they're the first 15 seed to reach the lead eight and if you want to go a little further they're the first team seated 13 or higher to make it that far they're looking to continue and hopefully be in the final 4 Right now, Jim Lerner, the first head coach in NCAA tournament history to lead two double-digit seeds to the Elite Eight. We'll have to see if Miami is able to beat Kansas, and if they are, then he'll go to the Final Four. The other team he led was George Mason, if I remember correctly. And then finally, oh, the Big Ten we love to talk about on the first conference ever to have at least nine teams in the tournament and have none advance to the Elite Eight. I thought this could have been the year where we saw, like, Purdue and Illinois in the Final Four. Maybe even Iowa could have had a sleeper run, but nope, Drew, the Big Ten strikes again.
1: What? Yeah, what, what is going on? I thought, you know, I, I was like, they have nine teams. You know, this happens every year, but I don't, it cannot happen this year, and it still happened. I, I talk about a flop. You know, in the Big 12, it seemed dominated the Big Ten. Uh Other conferences as well. ACC. you know, ACC has been, you know, they've been impressive in the tournament, but as a whole, you know, it's just a common theme. The the Big Ten cannot win those tournament games. It's 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 alarming, but uh, we'll have to wait and see, you know, to see maybe even a Big East team might make the championship game.
0: Jordan. Possibly. For once again, but also you look at the ACC, they could potentially have three of the four Final Four teams in Miami, North Carolina, and Duke. That would be a very, very scary thought. Let's move to on this day, starting in 1942. Just a few of them this week but you'll see why they are here. The fourth NCAA Men's Basketball Championship sees Stanford beat Dartmouth 53-38. to Howie Dahmer is named the tournament's most outstanding player. Two years later, for the sixth Men's Basketball Championship Tournament finals in 1944, where Utah beat Dartmouth once again. They made it again, but they lost And it was a 42-40 win for Utah. Arnie Farron is the tournament's most outstanding player. Six years later, now on this day, 1950, the 12th NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. The City College of New York beats Bradley 71-68. And it says the City College of New York first to win NCAA and National Invitational Basketball in the same year. I don't know what that is, but they did it back in 1950. They won them both. must have been like a big preseason tournament or something like that. I would have to assume On this day in 1977, the 39th men's basketball championship as Al McGuire retires as his Marquette Golden Eagles were on top. They beat North Carolina 67-59. It says it's the Warriors' first title. They used to be called the Warriors? Yep, they went from Warriors to the Golden Eagles, Jordan. You don't see college change their mascot a lot. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, and they won it in '77, and I, I believe it was on trivia before. The, yes. Like you mentioned, they did beat North Carolina, and that's something that did not happen this year. Wow, uh, at least for Marquette, as they can say, they always lose the teams who go far, as any Wisconsin sports team likes to do. They they lose at least when they lose. You know, they lose the teams that go far.
0: So true. That is very true. Besides the Packers this year, I guess they're kind of the only exception. But we'll talk Packers eventually when they get more moves and actually. Get some guys on their team that are worth talking about. But let's stay in the world of college basketball for the weekly sports talk segment. Starting with the final four games we know have come and gone. Villanova, tough, scrappy, low-scoring defensive battle. They beat Houston 50-44. to Houston missed 18 threes, I believe. They did not shoot the ball well at all. They only gave up 50 points to Villanova, but you're not going to win a game. Scoring just 44. And then Duke beats Arkansas 78-69. Drew, I think, A lot of people thought Houston had a chance to go pretty far, but if there was going to be a team to beat them, it was going to be this Villanova Wildcat squad. And now we know half of the final four, both two seeds with Duke and Villanova. So it's been kind of crazy with upsets left and right. You got a 15 seed, 10 seed, 11 seed, a bunch of them moving far, but it seems like it's going to all settle down. And I believe what we're going to see is Kansas, the one North Carolina, the eight and Duke and Villanova, both two seeds in the final four. I'm not sure if you agree.
1: I do, but I got to root for Miami. I mean, I, I, I need Miami to win this, you know, for my bracket, you know, for...
0: For the only good one you have left. For yes. the
1: good. For the good of March Madness. I, I need Miami to win. The Hurricanes need to make it this far. But, um, I don't know, I'm just looking through the bracket and stuff. Just, you know, that that Michigan-Tennessee game right now basically is my bracket. You know, if Tennessee wins that, beats Nova... They only have to make the final four. They make at least like the elite eight. We're looking at a completely different story in a lot of my brackets. Just had to get my frustration out a little bit there, but you know, that's marks for you Um, right now. I've, I've stopped looking really even at the bracket. You got to enjoy the madness chart you got to sit and watch, watching St. Peter's regardless of all my brackets say who wins, you know, regardless of how far I Purdue
0: had him go in the final four, whatever. Yeah, you my got, bottom left side is completely gone, so I gave up on that. Now I've just been rooting for St. Peter's.
1: I had a nine seed make it to the Sweet Sixteen, but that was Marquette, so um, okay, yeah, but, that doesn't count. I mean, I I did predict um the winner of you know that North Carolina Marquette game to go far, and that's that's what ha- what has happened. But yeah, I guess if
0: you want I, to I'm that. rooting for
1: the Peacocks um today or would have been yesterday. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we can say they are the ones who upset North Carolina. See a 15 seed make the Final Four. I don't know how they hang in against Duke, but yeah, they've been counted out countless of times, so why not?
0: Yeah, they said on like the pregame before yesterday's first battle, they were like, St. Peter's is not a Cinderella story anymore. They're not the underdog. And I was like, okay, well, let's not go that far. But I understand what they're saying. And my big upset that I picked right was Miami over Auburn. And that was a big-time battle. And Miami got the job done. I knew that Auburn was going to be a flop, and they sure yeah. were, but... Let's go back to our bet from two weeks ago. How many upsets will we see in the first round? It was over under eight and a half. You picked the under. I took the over. Do you have a guess as to how many there were?
1: I'm going to say there was in the first round itself. Yep. I'm going to say
0: there's like seven. There was 10 first round upsets. I'll actually, I'll go ahead and read them. I'll pull up the bracket. But I did get it right. We are on now. Oh, it's because all up. the
1: nines beat the eights, except Mark. Oh, come on. There's a
0: few. I said, if There's we counted three,
1: all- three nines and eights, like three so nines beat eights.
0: All right, let's go over it here. We're both six and 11 now in the standings. We'll have another bet coming up. It's a long bet this week. Memphis, the nine seed, they won. New Mexico State, they were the 12. They advanced. Notre Dame was the 11. So that's three in the top section. Then we didn't see a whole lot. We saw St. Peter's in the East bracket. That was the only one. So that's four right now. Nine was TCU. They advanced. We're at five Michigan. They're the 11. Make it six. And then we saw Creighton, Richmond, Iowa State, and Miami in that Midwest side make it. So, I mean, if you take out a few of the nines, we probably would have only been at eight. But at the end of the day, the rules were the rules. And a nine over an eight is technically an upset. So it was 10. I got it right. And... Anything else for college here? I think we got it all.
1: Yeah, I think we got it all. I'm hoping for a good championship game, good Final Four run. You know, hopefully we get some good games down the stretch here.
0: I'll be missing the Final Four games on that Saturday, so that's pretty sad. Ouch. But it'll be it'll be all right. Kansas will win, and we'll have no problems whatsoever. That's going to be a tough game against Villanova, though. That's for sure. Let's talk Bucks in the world of the National Basketball Association. They are first in the Central. I see right now with a 46-28 record, it is a tight battle in the Eastern Conference standings right now. Oh my goodness, four teams all within half a game. The Sixers, the Heat, who already clinched the playoffs, the Celtics, and the Bucks, all within half a game of one another. The Bulls are next back, three games behind. I did not know it was that close of a battle in the Western. It's not even close. The Suns, 60-14, eight and a half games behind are the Grizzlies, who clinched. And then 12 and 15, my goodness, the Western Conference is a joke, but the Eastern Conference is tough right now. And overall, Drew, the Bucks just lost to the Grizzlies. Really no shame in that, but they beat the Wizards and the Bulls along with the Timberwolves most recently. So, I mean, are they lost to the Timberwolves, I should say, most recently. But this Bucks team, how are they doing right now? I mean, this is a very close battle in the standings. I don't know where they're going to end up.
1: Yeah, they've done well as of late. I, I know Jared and I, we talked in our NBA midseason recap. We said, you know, we said this Bucks team is going to climb up in the top two seeds, at least. Uh, we said Miami's going to be on downfall and they are. They've lost four in a row. I mean, wh- what we had, what we said is exactly what's happening right now. We said Bulls are going to go down. Cavs are going down. And we said more of these teams that we've that are proven, right, that they have beat the bigger name teams. They got the, the experience. They're going to start going well. I mean, the Celtics were one team as well here. Five. Our five-game win streak as of late. 76ers, of course, have been doing well now with the Harden acquisition. But, yeah, I think 76ers, Bucks, Celtics are going to be those top three teams. You know, you can interchange them, I think. But yeah, Bulls still have not been able to beat good teams, Jordan. I The record against the top three seeds in the East, they haven't won a game yet. Against I saw of those, that.
0: It was yeah, pretty bad.
1: And that was a, a thing I like to pick at this whole year. I mean, we've been doing it, and it's it's just been how it is. I mean, they, they just, they just struggle. Uh, it's, it's alarming. And that, that bulls team, you know, I think their first round exits, if they play anyone, um, it just depends where they end up oh. here, but yeah, the play in, um, you know, nets are starting to rebound. Now they get Kyrie at home games. That's big for the Brooklyn nets. Hopefully. They I also, get yeah. I line. heard a
0: thing. It doesn't really matter anymore, but I heard a thing that they were throwing games so they could get more away games in the playoffs. But now I guess that doesn't now
1: matter. Yeah. Now that does not matter. Interesting for the Lakers here, 31 and 42 They're to the ninth. They're in the play still with 31 wins That's see Jordan. There's my thing with expanded playoffs that I don't like, but I know it's NBA. So like it's, it's not as bad, but True. Um, yeah, 31 well, wins. Look at
0: the discrepancy the of a team. That's going to make the playoffs 31 teams compared to the sons of 60 wins. And they're the one seed. Yeah. Like that's completely night and day.
1: Exactly. It's like, you know, <laughs> like there could be for like a top draft pick at that point. too. Oh, yeah. Like top, because like Wizards have thirty-one wins in the East this well, and they're not. They're six games out of it. It's, it's interesting. Uh, Pacers eliminated, Pistons eliminated, Magic eliminated, Thunder eliminated, and the Rockets are eliminated. Uh, it's going to be a tank war for this. Let for that first, you know, lottery pick. You know, for the best odds here. Yes, with the Pistons, Magic, and the Rockets all at twenty wins, so
0: this will be an
1: interesting stretch. You know. We always like a good tank off, but
0: well, the Rockets have won two straight. I see. I don't know what they're doing. What are they doing? You
1: know, it's men's who they want there as well. I mean, Chet Holmgrim has been a oh, yeah. well, number one overall pick's been linked to but we'll wait and see. We'll, we'll cover the NBA draft as well with the NFL draft of course, but uh I mean, bucks the big story though. Otherwise Jordan, I don't know, you know, if you saw but as we talked about Brooke Lopez being back, right? Mm-hmm. Who gets moved to the, the bench? They moved Bobby Portis to the bench. That's oh. been the the big story, and he's been all right. Uh The pist or not the Pistons, the Grizzlies game was a little alarming, though.
0: Uh, for Lopez or Portis?
1: For Portis. Two okay. for 13 from the field. Whoa. Uh Seven points. You know, he had 11 rebounds, though. But, yeah, he's getting, seeing him, his role has decreased now in the terms of Lopez and him are sharing, you know, a starter role minutes. So, Lopez getting 22 minutes. Portis getting 21 minutes. So, if you see how they do that, like, they're, Combined getting around the forty-three minute, you know, arguably what you'd get out of you know, maybe a starter who plays a full game, but like, like they're getting like that. What I'm saying basically is a combined forty-eight minutes out of a player, which is kind of what you'd want. You know, I like that rotation being done there. Like Grayson Allen getting thirty minutes last, like last that Saturday night. But uh, the the team, you know, Connaughton's been back. I know we didn't mention that yet on the podcast, but it's good to have him back. Uh, we mentioned Bembridge out for the year. DeAndre Bembry, uh, Javon Carter, then he's a guy who I like who's stepping up and he's playing well. He's getting 23 minutes off the bench and he's, he's put some big numbers in offensively and defensively. Basically, the, this Bucks team, you know, they're going to be in the playoffs as long as they get a top three, top four seed. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I, I think I know home field advantage is nice, but like, they, look what they did last year with a three seed, right? It doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, but I, I like this Bucks team. And with that, I think I think they have what it takes to make a big run in the playoffs. So go Bucks.
0: Go Bucks. Do you think the Suns are the odds on favorite right now or they're gonna choke?
1: Suns are the favorite to win the West. I'm not gonna say who's the favorite to win the title because we don't know who they're gonna match up against yet. But okay. Fair. I, I Fair. like I like the Bucks out of the East. I like you know, and I'm I don't wanna, you know, a finals rematch people would call boring, but I think they would Bucks out of the East. – 76ers are awfully due. Uh, the Heat, no. no. I the Heat are frauds in my opinion. But I don't know. I think those, those two squads I mentioned are my two favorites.
0: All right. Well, the Bucks are on a five game winning streak. Who know who else is? The Minnesota Wild. They're finally starting to turn things around 7 2 and 1 in their last 10. They have secured the number two spot in the central, which is great to see. I mean, this is Colorado's conference. 97 points. They're 46 14 and 5. And I actually, I think they have the best winning percentage. Yeah, they have the best winning percentage in hockey by a little bit, actually by like 0.02%. And the most points in the league, as you would expect, Minnesota is going to play them. And we'll talk about that in their upcoming schedule. That game was actually yesterday. It's today as we're recording. But other than that, Arizona Coyotes, they were hot for a stretch. You know, they were hot while I was coming. They won like five of their first six games in March. Then they were tie 1-1 with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are a very good team, like second in the Metropolitan Division, that good. And then they give up three goals in the third period, lost that game. They're now 5-5 five and five in the last 10, lost their last four, and officially back to the worst team in hockey with 44 points. Montreal with 46, and then Seattle with 46 as well. So the Kraken with a minus-62 goal differential, are certainly struggling in their first season in the National Hockey League. But one of the big things we did want to talk about was the trade deadline The Minnesota Wild acquiring Marc-Andre Fleury, the stud goaltender from the Penguins, then the Golden Knights. I mean, my goodness, he was just so good on the Golden Knights, led him to their Stanley Cup in their first ever season. Then he kind of took a little of a backseat, got traded to Chicago Blackhawks. People thought he wasn't even going to play for the Blackhawks. They said he was going to retire. He did not. He did play for a 24 24- 32 and 10 Blackhawks team with just 58 points. The second worst in the central. Then he came over to Minnesota and he debuted on Saturday night was his first game. He had 20 some saves, I believe in that game. So not a bad performance at all. It was a three, two win over the blue jackets and the Columbus blue jackets to put it in perspective. They're an all-right team. They're fifth with 69 points in the metropolitan, but I mean, middle of the road, not too bad either way. Wild got a win, and now we look ahead where they traded Capo Kakanen, their backup goaltender. They kept Cam Talbot, who people said was going to be tough to go, and they kept him. So the former top goalie, was an all-star earlier this year, then just hit an absolute slump and was not doing well at all, giving up four, five goals a game. They give up Capo, who was doing well for a while, and then he kind of plateaued as well. They gave him up, and we got a defenseman, Uh, I don't even remember where he was from, but we'll see how he does. We'll give him a few games, and then we'll see how he fits in with Spurgeon in the backfield, I was going to say backcourt, and the back ice, I guess, is a better way to put it. But other than that, we take a look at the Wild, and they got a game against the Philadelphia Flyers on Tuesday. Philadelphia, you look at where they are right now, and they are second last in the Metropolitan with just 53 points. But all eyes on this Thursday, the final game of March And this is that big homestand. It is the last game, I believe. Yes, this is the last game of the big homestand where the Wild have been doing pretty, pretty well. And we're going to see how it goes in this last week. But they play Pittsburgh. They play the Penguins. Sidney Crosby comes to town on the 31st before a four-game road series begins. April 2nd, 3rd, 5th, and 8th. And then they've got two games at home, two on the road, and then the season Kind of gets winding down in the month of April with the last game being against the also tough Colorado Avalanche at home on April 29th. Five of their last six games are at home, so that certainly helps. But other than that, we got about a month left of hockey, then it's time for the playoffs. Speaking of something, it's not time for the playoffs, it's time for the opening day. We are getting there. The Milwaukee yeah. Brewers spring training. I was at their first game. Candleback Ranch, a 3-3 tie against the Dodgers. They tied in that one. They were up, and then they kind of blew it. But spring training, not afraid to end in ties. Doesn't really matter. Their game against the Mariners just ended in a 7-7 tie as well. Keston Hero was 0-3 in this game against the Dodgers. And the big story, Ethan Small pitched very, very well. He struck out Cody Bellinger, which was good to see. Christian Yelch was 0-2, and then he had an RBI single, which was nice for his first hit of the season. And Renfro was in that lineup as well. He did okay, but he didn't really do a whole lot. But either way, the Brewers, after that tie, they won three games, lost four games, and then tied. They gave away a Hank Aaron bobblehead, a Ryan Braun bobblehead, Paul Molitor bobblehead, Ben Sheets bobblehead, Robin Young bobblehead today on Monday, and then a Lorenzo Cain bobblehead yet on Thursday. They were giving away amazing bobbleheads at spring training to the first 1,000 Fans, and it's not hard to be in the first thousand in a spring training game, even though. So, I went to Sloan Park, they had 7,700 that was Cubs White Sox, a seven inning split squad game, and then it was like 5,500 at that Dodgers game. So, it was good to see quite a lot of fans coming out Brewers yet in spring training. They will be playing the Giants, Guardians, Padres, Angels, Cubs Mariners, Rangers, Rockies, and Royals. For the home opener on the set or the for the season opener on the seventh and the home opener on the fourteenth. But let's look at some numbers, Drew. You're a big fan of Tyrone Taylor right now. He's got three home runs in his I mean, seven hits, three home runs. That is beautiful. Keston Hira, he has the best average of like most at bats, I should say. I mean Taylor and Severino are up there, but a four sixty-two average and thirteen at bats for Keston Hira, including three home runs as well. Andrew McCutcheon in 10 at-bats, five hits, two home runs. So I don't really take a whole lot of consideration into spring training. We'll talk about pitching next. But Keston is doing just fine for himself. He's got eight RBIs and 13 at-bats. And Tyrone Taylor is hitting extremely well, which is a great thing for the Brewers.
1: Yeah, and talking about adjustments, I think these guys have made. I think that's the big story, especially Keston Hira. I mean, uh, they put him in left field. I mean, just defensively, the adjustment he's made. Also, with his swing, he just looks more fluid. Uh, strikeout wise, only three strikeouts and thirteen at bats. Like to see that. Extra like the power has been there. Uh, you know, he, he has one walk, I, and I know it's only one walk, but it's in 13 at 13 bats. So I think that's still something to you know. Keep in mind that's that's impressive for his end. And Then going to Tyrone Taylor. I I've mentioned this. This is a bold you know bold take. I might have, but. I if Kane struggles, I think, I seriously think, you know, this team, this is, which we'll talk about Uh Ananasio, you know, Mark Ananasio, the ownership, plus with David Stearns, they've mentioned this is probably the best group of athletes they've had, at least Ananasio in his time here since 2005, which I agree. I mean, looking through rosters, you know, maybe an exception of 2011, but this is an impressive group of guys, and, it, you know, Tyrone Taylor keeps this up. you got to, you know, if Kane's struggling, I know for defense, but you gotta you gotta play Tyron Taylor. You gotta play. I feel like
0: he's bad defensively either.
1: No, and and center field he, he'll be just fine there. But he's been awesome. Five thirty eight average. Just the powers look good. Uh, he's been making you know great great decisions offensively, and it's like watching him play. Like he had a great second half last year. It seems like he's continuing with that momentum. Another guy, you know, Andrew McCutcheon had a multi homer game. His swing's looking good, Jordan. I don't know if you saw those home runs, but I did see him. They he, There in, was
0: a 700 foot home run from one of the Yankees guys. I did not see what I don't even I, believe. Uh, I'll find the tweet. You can continue.
1: But Andrew McCutcheon's been solid. What a great signing so far. On base Jace a little bit of a struggle, but you know, I'm not going to go through all the guys here, but I want just a few guys. I want to mention. Adamus has struggled in spring uh, three for 18 so far, six strikeouts. So he leads. you know, he's one of the top guys with strikeouts <laughs> so far in spring. Oh, well, Uris, or Luis Urias got hurt, so it doesn't really, you know, we got to wait for him to come back. Yelch has been 286 in spring. Uh, he's looked he's looked all right. I mean, you'll take a 286 average out of him. I know it's spring only, but the power is still it, not there. It's, it's fine. It's still not there. Uh, the slugging is, you know, 357 right now. I know it's small sample size, but it's a little. And like under- I said, I don't
0: take spring training for gri- I guess I don't take stats into consideration a whole much. It was Joey Gallo, 703-foot home run, it says. Longest in MLB history, but I don't even—I don't believe it went seven hundred three feet.
1: I don't believe. It. I did see a, a a Gallo home run tweet, and I saw that home run. So if it's that one, no. But
0: it, yes, uh, I'm pretty sure it was that one, and I don't know how they can say it went seven hundred three feet.
1: Maybe it's maybe it's a meme. I don't I don't know, but I don't know. Uh, that what, what the one race I'm looking for? You know, you think you would think the th- the third catcher spot because if you know, like we mentioned, twenty eight roster spots. Uh, if they do do three catchers, Brett Sullivan and Mario Feliciano are in a little battle. One of them's batting 400. The other one's batting 333. I know this is just yes. offensively. And, you know, Sullivan being the, the veteran, uh, he might get the spot. But that that's an interesting, if they go three catchers, they kind of have a little battle there because now Mailey, uh is with the Guardians. So he's not there. Pablo Reyes, will he make the opening day roster? Will he? Mm-hmm. Will he? We don't question. know. I mean, there's spots up. That's why I like straight training. These spots are for grabs, Jordan. I know some guys are locked in, but you would think Jace Peterson would be a lock. Maybe Pablo Reyes, right? Um, Mike
0: Brasso has been great. I don't think he will be, though. I don't think Reyes yeah. will make it.
1: Yeah. I, I think with the acquisition of Brasso, kind of, um, you know, the, yes. he, he's going to play third. He kind of takes over, takes that um, Pablo Reyes role. So I think he might be the guy who gets the boot. Uh David Dahl was an interesting story. They picked him up after his de- He was very great uh, with Colorado and then kind of plateaued. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I think I think the opening day roster is kind of a lock with some guys. I think uh other yeah, I think that's just how it is for opening day. I mean, it looks like a pretty set in stone, but pitching Jordan, I know we want to mention yes, there's been some struggles. That. And oh, big time by all the start, you know, all the starters, Burns. Woodruff, all DRAs, um, boxers is there any guy out of those, you know, anyone look concerning when you were there in spring?
0: No, I didn't get to see anyone big. I saw Ethan small. And then I saw, um, who is, I saw one, uh, Miggy Sanchez. I saw him. That was like the only other big name, but other than that, it was just a bunch of the smaller guys. There weren't any of the big time pitchers coming up yet.
1: Yeah. I mean, with Ethan small, it makes sense why you saw smaller guys, but, um, huh. But Suter, I
0: got it. That was very funny.
1: Hopefully we can see, you know, Souter is your race over six. Woodruff got bombed. Here he's at 12 right now. But again, small sample size. I'm not worried about any of Boxberger these guys.
0: 27.
1: Yeah. I mean, Boxberger might be a little concerned after that second half. He put it together last year. I know a lot of. Brewer Get him out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully he can bounce back for the regular season that we need him. So I, I really, really hope we can see out of him. Trevor got that's interesting stories from the Giants. There's a chance, Jordan, he, he could sneak and make an opening day roster. Him and Gustave, you know, like there's some battles there in the bullpen as well. Like this is for spots are up for grabs, like I said, and, you know, we'll see if some guys are going to make it. Some guys won't. But one guy who probably won't make it, Josh Lindblom, ERA's at nine right now. He's showing any he, Yeah, he's, uh he, he hasn't been doing well, you know, but triple a you know he's he's a spot start guy you know like we saw alec Bettinger take a spot start um last year against the dodgers didn't go well but like that's basically what we're going to see out of um out of Bloom. so i mean spring training like you said take it with a grain I of salt but... think
0: i saw Bloom pitch when i was in nashville and i was at the at uh, the sound yeah. game
1: yeah he would have been there
0: that's crazy because he's just not good he's making I mean, millions there's... There's just no other way to put it. I'm going to try and find the lineup right now. But he was such a stud in the KBO. And then we signed him to this big money deal. Oh, I saw Alex betting your pitch. Okay. It was not Win boom. But either way, I mean, he was so good overseas. And then he came here and he we gave him money. He's just been so bad. And no one's going to want him. So we're stuck with him. Yeah.
1: And we're stuck paying him $3, 4000000 million in AAA. But, um, you know, it, it just shows the difference from the KBO and, you know, the Major League Baseball, right? The skill big time. level, big-time difference. And with that, I mean, I, I know Stearns and Stearns we trust, right? Matt Arnold as well. But they thought they could develop this guy, and there's just nothing there. The is not there. And, you know, the margin of error when you don't have the velocity is so much, you know, higher. And that's just with that, that's been a struggle for Lindblom. He, you know, you can't make to be nearly perfect. And that's sort of like we see Brent Suter be a guy who's completely, you know, is does you know does his job and you know he he's pretty close to perfect and that, that's why yeah, he's he able to pitch some bad spots from time to time eighty eight with his fastball and still be effective. But yeah, uh, spring's almost over. We almost got baseball.
0: It is. We almost we're getting close. And I think to end this episode, we're going to do a long bet. Season six of trivia will start in April once again. Doesn't pay to start because we would have had a week on, a week off, week on, week off. We'll be starting that coming up very very soon. But our long bet to end the episode. We kind of touched on this a little bit in our Brewers season preview coming up on Wednesday. So all of this was a lead into that Wednesday episode where we went in-depth on a lot of guys. But our long bet today, who will be the Brewers opening day starter? We had a bit of a discussion and we both agreed. But I want to see if any of spring training has influenced anything or if you're sticking with your guy.
1: Okay. Um, Opening day, not home opener. So just got to keep that in mind. Yep. I think those are going to be different because it's just going to be who it ends up rotation-wise. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Woodruff. Why not? Okay. I, think, I think that's going to be the choice. Absolute workhorse. You know, he was going to give you 200-plus innings. You don't know if Burns will. So I'll go Woodruff.
0: Okay. And I'm going to go Burns just because I knew you would say that. I do want Woodruff to start, though. I think Woodruff will be the opening day guy. But, I mean, Burns, Cy Young, good chance they put him up first. And Burns has always pitched well against the Cubs, hasn't he? Like, they never really got to him.
1: Yeah, but uh, you'll see you'll see him game 2 otherwise then. So
0: That's true. So either way he'll be pitching against them and I'm assuming it'll be Woodruff Burns Peralta maybe in that order, maybe Burns Woodruff Peralta, but safe to assume these are the one two guys Peralta'll be the third. Both 6 and 11 right now in our bets of the week and pretty soon our bets of the week are going to come to a halt. And the Brewers Prediction Challenge, will be back where we predict how they do in the week. That was always a fun time. I ended up winning it last year. Went down to the wire, and I picked the Braves to win the World Series, and they did. And that's how I ended up winning. But it'll be another tight battle this year. It'll be back and forth. Can't wait for it. Anything else, Drew, to round out episode 55 of the sports group?
1: We got a fantasy baseball league, Jordan. Uh, right now, yes. it's, it's 10 teams. We might, might bump it down to eight. It's a five dollar entry simply due to you know, we gotta make sure people stay, you know, competitive in the league because otherwise they'll be dead by the all-star break. But you know, join that. You know, if you want to learn about fantasy baseball, it's a pretty you know simple league. We do head to head points and you know it's self-explanatory. If you need, you know, some clarification, you can always ask Jordan and I, but yeah, join it. I mean, we we have some spots open and I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. You know, we like doing our fantasy sports leagues for the podcast, but then also we gotta talk scheduling too, Jordan. Got, yes. So we got coming up this week. We got an EWC boys season recap. Robert Shimmick and myself. Wrap, finally, basketball season comes to a close. We'll wrap it all up. You know, put a bow around it. And yeah, uh, with that, we also then have you know Brewers season preview coming up Wednesday. That was Jordan and Lorenz and myself with that on Wednesday. And then Friday we have Journey to a Million. So we're going to be doing more off season previews. If we got two teams, we got two guests coming on for that one. Be a lot of fun, but yeah, right now with that, you know, EWC spring sports will be coming up in the upcoming weeks. And then we got LVC season preview here back here for episode 56. As Jordan mentioned, he will be leaving us to go to Texas. So uh, we got, I got to get coming on for that, which I'll release more information in the upcoming days, but yeah, it'll be a lot of fun and we gotta keep talking sports. Jordan doesn't get any better than this.
0: It doesn't at all. I'll be going to Global Life Field, cross another ballpark off the list. It was going to be opening day. Yes, it was going to be opening day between the Rangers and the Yankees. They had them Saturday, Sunday, beautiful 110 both days, but obviously the MLB season got pushed back. And then all of a sudden, a week ago, they announced that Texas and Oklahoma are playing a three game series at Global Life Field. It's going to be a Friday night game and then a Saturday and Sunday afternoon game. So we'll be going on Sunday to that. That'll be a ton of fun. I've actually never been to a college baseball game. So in a big, big old global life field, $30 tickets, you can sit anywhere you want. General admission, first come, first serve, however you want to say it. Going to be a fun time over in Texas. Thank you all so much. Don't forget all our social medias. Give us an extra few subscribers on YouTube, Jordan Drew the Sports Crew. We're on Facebook. There's what are as well. Twitter, JD Sports Pod, and then Instagram, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew. Thank you all for listening to another edition of Jordan Drew the Sports Crew. The perfect podcast for you.